Mertes, let's fight! going on guys it's your host your boy george mckay back again for mlw rewind could potentially be the last rewind it's up in the air right now i'm not sure unfortunately my co-host lewis carlin got a lot on his plate right now he had to take a step back but i found somebody to fill in somebody equally as knowledgeable someone who is let's say a knight from a round table sorry a square table maybe a circle i'm not sure i haven't figured it out yet but please welcome one of my good friends fellow canadian podcaster Ryan Knight from Knights of the Squared Circle. What's up, my dude? Hey, buddy. How's it going? Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, no problem. Thanks so much for jumping on. You know, I posted yesterday that MLW was probably going to be shelved just because there's a lot going on for Lewis and a lot for myself. Both are growing. Podcasts are just taking off like firestorms. And uh, as much as this one has been fun, it's just a lot to do mixed with mm -hmm. everything else. Plus, family time gets cut in the way. I'm almost getting divorced. If I keep podcasting, the wife's going to be like, nah, I think we got to take a break here. So as it stands, we're still going to have some fun. We could potentially be the last rewind. But uh, MLW, that's all we talk on this one. MLW Fusion, we rewind from last week. So uh, let's get into it, shall we? We shall. Now, before we do, I do have one quick question for you, George. Sure. Um, how does it feel for the first time here in MLW to be the oldest guy? Yeah, I knew this was coming. I didn't know how to prepare myself for this answer. So um, from one old guy to now the newest young guy, I will take the licks. I have earned the licks, but I don't consider myself older. I just consider myself wiser and more adorable, if that makes sense. Okay. Okay. You're on your way. You're on your way to older, but I'll give you that for now. I'm on my way to older, but I'm still adorable. Look at these dimples. You can't get, That's look fair. at these roses. That's fair. <laughs> I tried, Lewis. I tried, my friend. You did. You did. All right. Let's jump to some MLW. All right, perfect. So it starts off with Selena De La Renta promo saying she's got a plan to destroy Hammerstone. And then El Jefe's muscle or assistant, whatever the hell we want to call this guy, um, basically pushes the cameraman out of his way. And I feel bad for the MLW cameraman. I feel like they get the shaft 90% of the times, other than the one time that Leo Rush paid them to carry his bags into the arena. I feel every other time they get bullied a lot. And the cameramen are the unsung heroes of MLW. Would you not agree? I, I think the cameramen and the production crew as a whole are not just for what they do production-wise, but like you said, they take so much abuse that uh, I think as a whole, the entire production team needs a, a pat on the back. Well, let's give them a round of applause. There we go. Bravo. <laughs> round of applause for the uh, production crew. There you go. So as he pushed the cameraman out of his way, the camera falls to the ground and we get El Jefe's, uh, El Jefe's muscle saying, did you ask El Jefe's permission? And then Selena starts speaking in Spanish. And unless you have time to translate the Spanish, you just assume what she said was not very nice. Somewhere along the lines of, fuck you, I'll do what I want. I didn't hear uh, hijo de puta or anything like that, but I heard enough to know that it wasn't very nice words. It was along the lines of fuck you. That's all you needed. Yeah, that's that's all you really fucking needed. Absolutely. So Selena basically saying, I don't need El Jefe's permission, which is probably not going to end well for her. Uh, first <laughs> match of the day, we get Holiday and Gino Medina. They're going after the uh, Caribbean championship is on the line. Now, Holiday is the current champion, finally has been accepted by the ranks. The title is recognized in MLW. And uh, I guess you say his first major defense after being recognized in MLW would be against Gino. Now, Gino was a former member of Dynasty, as we all know. And the story is that Gino says he left. Richard says he fired him. Richard said he only brought him in to get the Latina consumenaros. 
as he will, or consuminares, whatever he wants to call them. But it didn't, the relationship did not end well, put it that way. So um, shit talking back and forth to start. No, I quit. I fired you. Then a nice back heel kick by Medina. Uh, chops on Holiday to the outside, back and forth. Uh, there was a lot of back and forth early on. Medina doing all kinds of dirty tricks, feet on the ropes, uh, unties the turnbuckle. Now, this was weird for me because they both are underhanded. So it's hard to really find out who was the true heel in this match. But I guess because Medina, Medina was doing a little bit more of the dirty stuff, I would say he was the true heel in this match. Would you not agree just based on what he was doing? A thousand percent. I think that... It was hard for me because I'm I'm a little bit newer to MLW. So trying to figure out, like you had said, who was the established heel here? I walked away from this match definitely uh, praising Holiday. And I think he came off looking a lot better as a babyface. And it's weird because, again, they were both presented as heels to me throughout that matchup. But towards the end of I definitely felt that Holiday came off looking as the as the top guy, per se. Right. And as, as I guess a champion should in this particular scenario. Um, so then a nice backdrop kit by holiday. They exchange kicks, spin, a spin buster holiday. Now is, is in control of the match and he's even, and then he hits the 2008 on holiday, which Medina did. Medina actually hit holiday's move on him. And I thought it might've been over there, but holiday luckily kicked out. Uh, mm -hmm. then Medina tries to, um, uh, go into the exposed turnbuckle, tries to throw holiday, but holiday reverses him. He goes into the turnbuckle. Now his lights out for him. Holiday hits the one, two, three, and still the reigning defending Caribbean championship. Were you surprised how early into this match Medina actually tried to steal Holiday's finisher? That kind of shocked me a little bit. It was, it was shocking, but in a good way. I think for me, it was one of those that caught me off guard and it was very pleasantly off guard. I went, oh, okay. Well, this is, I assumed the match was coming to an end. So it was one of those where I had to go back about a couple of minutes later and say, this is still going on. All right. And I kind of had to, to reimagine like, what my my stance on wrestling would be because I think it changes so much and when you watch these different promotions like MLW you'll see how they they incorporate these different storylines or different elements to a match and that's just that's just a small piece right there bringing in you know stealing someone's finisher well before the finish that's something that we don't see very often if at all and uh, kudos to MLW because for being someone who doesn't keep up with the product, I'm very intrigued after watching my first full from, you know, beginning to end. I watched the entire show. I really, really enjoyed it. And that there's so many little elements that, that made that possible. So. so being somebody new to MLW, this is intriguing because you never really get to ask this question. But what are your thoughts on the 20 second outside count that they allow 20 seconds to do a little bit more outside the ring? That's one of my personal favorites of MLW that keeps me coming back. I think even on that note, there's so many different elements of MLW that are so intriguing. The 20-second count being one of them, the, the fact that you have the nameplates displayed during the entire matchup, also listing who the champion is, they have a timer counting how long these matches are. There's so many different things with MLW that are very intriguing to me that uh, I want to keep checking out and see how they do it. Because obviously you've been watching for quite a while now. You know sort of the ins and outs as to how they put their production together and how they present their show. For me, it's very intriguing to see because I'm seeing a lot of almost MMA influence with MLW. Mm -hmm. um, to the 20 second count question, though, I think that's a great idea. I didn't see it utilized an entire lot last night. I think there's a lot more ways that you could utilize it, but uh, I'm intrigued to see again how they do that. Absolutely. It is something that does come into play a lot more, not so much in this previous episode, but in a lot of other episodes, the 20 second count really does change the landscape of a story mm -hmm. when it's being told in the ring. 
Um, so after that, we get a Marshall Von Eric and Ross Von Eric promo. Now, this is something that Lewis and I have discussed in depth. The Von Erics, as great as they are, we've had them on the show. Uh, their promo skills are hugely lacking. And every time they bring in their dad, as much as I love, you know, Eric and everything, the history that's behind him, uh, when they bring in the dad, I find it a struggle to hear him and really understand him because there is that like mumble kind of thing that he does. And I get it's not on purpose. It's just... I wish they would record these things a little bit clearer, but I get a lot of the times it's just on a cell phone, probably mm -hmm. stuck up somewhere in a tree. Like, Hey, okay, cool. That's, that's the angle we want. Yeah, that's cool. Let's go with that. But um, uh, so basically long story short, Marshall's injured. He's injured. Uh, he's got to rehabilitate, but Ross, Ross has the ability to go to Japan and learn from a friend of Eric uh, Muto or Nuto. I couldn't really understand fully uh, while Marshall rehabs. What were your thoughts on that promo as in terms of, I guess, where they're building the storyline next? Now, mind you, I get it. You're new to the product, but you're a wrestling fan and you understand the business. So mm -hmm. seeing this promo and how they cut it, they've moved Marshall from the situation. Does it seem to you that Ross may be going after a singles run to try to get a little bit of vengeance against Tom Lawler if he brings in that Japan style with him? From what I saw, I think that's the only thing that, that makes sense. Now, again, granted, I don't know all the dynamics of the storyline and all the different uh, moving pieces involved with it, but it's I, I enjoyed the promo personally. Um, I'd have to see more of what you were referring to to see you know where the, the skills are lacking, but from what I saw, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the promo. Um, I'm, I think there's only, again, one way that ends. There's, it's going into that storyline like you had mentioned. Um, again, for me, I really, I'm curious to see more MLW. That's really the only way that I can kind of comment more on this because I, I want to make sure I make a, a more educated assumption on it more or less, right? So with MLW, the promos, I want to see more of. I want to see sort of how they develop their storylines. That's something I'm very interested in because already the production side of it has me intrigued. So I want to see how these storylines come, how they develop them and uh, yeah, just kind of go from there. And that's an okay assumption. That's an okay uh, way to present the situation. Like I said, I, I hope that you will go back to MLW. And if I do continue this thing, you know, you can job, jump on as a co-host every now and again, for sure. It would be great to have different opinions and thoughts. But um, yeah, you will start to see that the production value, there are peaks and valleys, like we have discussed in previous episodes. Some weeks, it's just dynamite. Like never say never, next to Filthy Island, probably my two favorite shows of this year. And we're only four months in. We were mm -hmm. almost to the fifth month. We're only four months in, but two, two out of, let's say 12 weeks worth of product. I mean, it's, it's peaks and valleys. Even some of the episodes that aren't the greatest, they have that ability to have those points that stick out in your head and be like, you know what, that, this was a crap week, but that one match or that one spot, that's going to keep me coming back. And that's what I think MLW does really well. They kind of know where they stand. They know they're not going to have the clean polished look of an AEW or uh, WWE. Now, mind you, AEW as well has had some, you know, production buffoons. Some we've peaks seen. and valleys there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've, seen, we've seen that, and I know you're a big AEW guy, so I guess we could kind of, for the rest of this episode, we could kind of look at the comparisons, right? Because AEW is an upstart. Yeah, they've got a ton of money behind them, but if you look at what MLW has and the fact that their money capital is probably not near as much as what Tony Khan... I mean, Tony Khan can write checks to the cows come home. He can literally mm -hmm. absorb a loss and still keep writing checks. And that's yep. what's great when you've got, you know, a billionaire behind you. Oh, we've lost money this week. Cool. I'll just going to go ahead and write everybody checks. Whereas MLW is like, okay, we, we lost viewership this week. Our revenues are down. We're going to have to go back to the drawing board and see how we can draw those bodies in. So I it, think, I think MLW, sorry to cut you off there, but I think MLW and AEW are 
very much the same in that they're both a great wrestling show. I think they both showcase great wrestlers. Sure, there's peaks and valleys in that from time to time. But again, they, they do a great job, especially AEW at the start of showcasing wrestling. I think, as you had mentioned, with AEW gaining this, this capita, they're going to be able to enter more of the WWE realm of a business landscape. Right now, WWE is untouchable. I don't care what any AEW fan says, and I enjoy the product. I, I don't think AEW is going to touch WWE for a good long while, simply because WWE is established as a business. Um, they've got the roots so sewn deep into the business world now that AEW is very far from that. Now, in terms of a wrestling show, that's where AEW and MLW are the same and where AEW will separate itself is, like you said, that financial game. Absolutely. And, and it's, the, it's the long game. It's not a short game. So financial mm -hmm. stability can be gained over time. And um, we've seen a lot of the MLW stars, they've moved on to the greener pastures. MJF was a fixture in MLW for a very long time. And mm -hmm. now he's killing it over there with the pinnacle or inner circle 2.0, whatever you want to call it. I call it inner circle 2.0 because <laughs> it's exactly what the fuck it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, okay, so now we get into a Hammerstone promo. He is facing the man of a thousand deaths, Mel Mortis. Now, if anybody's paid attention to the previous podcast, Mel Mortis uh, is technically the open way champion only because he stole the belt. He didn't win it. He stole it. He's walking around with it. He's wearing it on social media. Selena's got it draped over parts of her, her body uh, on social media. But look at me. I got gold. No, you don't. You didn't win it. You didn't win it. You're not the champion, Mel Mortis, man of a thousand deaths. So basically what Hammerstone said in this promo is that the man of a thousand deaths is about to become the man of a thousand ass kickings. Let that soak in for a while. He died a thousand times. He's going to get a thousand ass kickings and then he'll take his title back. So I'm sitting here wondering, huh, Hammerstone, this is why you haven't reached the next level yet, in my opinion. The promos, it's and I get it. The promos, I, one thing I love about MLW is it's not scripted promos. These guys are mm -hmm. all cutting it off the cup. It's kind of like we saw first night of WrestleMania. It's that promo roulette. Okay, you're going to go out here. These are the points I want you to hit and go. There's no person behind them going, you have to hit each line like this. You have to. Right. Yeah, you they go. haven't scripted this. They're just, they've got bullet points and they say, there you go. Yep. Right. So being, again, new to the product and how it works in the promo, what was your thoughts on the Hammerstone promo? Did this build you up your excitement for the main event that we we're going to see later on in that hour? So I personally am a big fan of big man matches. I love big man matches. So when I saw Hammerstone versus Mertes book, I thought, OK, I'd sign me up, sign me up, because I already know you get two Goliaths in there. I'm going to enjoy it. The promo definitely hindered that a little bit. Um, I kind of thought this match didn't even necessarily need a promo. If it did, it just needed them. You just needed Hammerstone to go out there and be like, look, I'm just going to wipe the floor with you. I'm going to beat the shit out of you. And that's just what's going to happen. I think, like you said, he tried too hard to craft this weird, I don't even know what you want to call that, but it was, it definitely kind of took me back for a second there. Now, Muertes, on the other hand, I think I'm a huge fan of Muertes. I've always been a fan of Muertes. Um, he should have won personally. That's my opinion. But again, that's somebody who doesn't watch MLW. I have no idea. I'm just speaking from a biased perspective. But uh, I personally really love the, the angle that I saw with Muertes and that entire faction or group gang, whatever you want to call them. I, uh, I really like what they're kind of building over there. It's, it's got me, again, intrigued. That's been my word of the show. Absolutely. And you know what? Um, you're right. Uh, Muertes is somebody who's come in and he's had a great historic career. And I think MLW is the right foot, fit for him because the roster is so um, not tiny, but it's comfortable to the point where everybody gets a fair shake at a fair amount of TV time. And they do build these storylines well. And speaking of building the feud, so you have uh, El Jefe's, you know, Aztec Underground, Promotios Dorado, Absolve Them, whatever you want to call it. And they've been feuding with kind of Contra on the... Um, 
the go round talking about stealing Hammerstone's title. We had a like kind of a recap from Selena. She said, this is what I've been waiting for, what I've been doing. So the, recapping the Conan feud where she killed Conan and we never really got a resolution on that. That's where they introduced Mel Mortis. He basically helped her kill Conan in his own house. And we've never okay. seen Conan since. And um, then basically up to stealing the Hammerstone title. So everything that Mortis has done and everybody that he's laid in his waist from Savio Vega uh, to uh, Mike Perot, uh, which has my favorite promo of all time, Mortis, let's fight. I just, I, that kills me every time. Uh, it's so overly intense that I just, that that's Perot was a, a genius for that. It was a God for that. If it was unscripted, three words, Mortis, let's fight, done. I'm in. Done. Yeah. Me up. Now, Perot got his ass kicked in that fight. But, I, <laughs> but still, the promo still, the promo is what makes it. <laughs> absolutely. I don't care that Perot lost. I only care about what took him there. And Morpheus yeah. Let's Fight got him to the three and a half minute ass kicking that he received right after he dropped that promo. And then we get uh, a TJP and Alicia interview. I love Alicia too. She's been on my show a couple of times. She's been on MLW Rewind a couple of times. She's just a great, fantastic, uh, such a positive person. But every time she does an interview with anybody from MLW that's had some kind of issues, they usually end up walking out on the interview or they end up basically berating her and then walking out on the interview. Thank so, you. So I noticed that between not only the TJP interview, but also the Leo Rush interview or sorry, the Leo. Uh, it's it was just so incredible to me to see this, this woman who I know is very dominant in her interview. She's very, very talented, very, very capable of conducting herself. And then I see these talents just walk over her and I'm thinking, nah, uh-uh, that's not, that's not the Alicia that I know. Well, I don't know her, but that's not the Alicia that I've seen. So, Right. And you're right. But in, in MLW, for some reason, they all seem to bully and walk over. The only one she ever really, she'll fire back at a lot of people and she gives mm -hmm. the attitude back. But the only one she really gives the attitude back a lot are Richard Holiday. And Selena De La Renta. Her and Selena De La Renta have had this ongoing... I've seen they've had a little feud going there. The heat is un unbelievable. And I'm just hoping that it's like this slow build. I'm hoping that it ends up with them in the ring. Now, mind you, Alicia can't handle herself in the ring very too well. But I don't think Selena can either. We, As we saw later on in the episode, Selena ends up handling her business with a cat fight. And she's mm -hmm. also going after a poor, you know, five-month pregnant or four-month pregnant Aria Blake, which was not fucking cool. I'm sitting there. I was watching. I was like, oh, God, I hope that Arya's okay. I hope they've scripted this well because you don't want any stupid accidents to happen, especially no. when we're carrying the future of the cruiserweight world in her, you know, in her, she's, she's prepping that because TJP's the dad of that baby. Right. So I was yeah. nervous for that. I was nervous for that, but luckily enough, we'll get into that a little bit later, but basically TJP's back from, from suspension. Uh, he had to pay his $2,500 fine and he was unhappy that she had to keep reiterating that, but it's the truth. You, you attacked your former partner. You were suspended. You were fined. So that's kind of where we have to go. But basically, this interview was basically saying that next week, we're going to get Dow versus TJP. Um, again, you're not part of the MLW product too, too well. You're a newcomer to it. So welcome for that. But Dow is somebody who, um, Lewis and I, on, on a lot of occasions, we basically called him a little child that got his ice cream taken away. He threw his temper tantrum in the ring, and he had this crying eye thing like my five-year-old does. If I say, no, you can't have a cookie until after you finish your dinner. Just the tears oh. start running down. And Buku Dao looked like that when TJP walked out on him the first time and then attacked him. This is a storyline that has been a slow build for about two months. And I'm not invested at all. And I don't think anybody in the ML universe cares. TJP is a great talent. And I just wish they utilized him a little bit better. I'd like to see him go at Rush for the middleweight championship. That's where I think he should be. Not handling mm -hmm. this sword sodded storyline with Buku Dao, who's, you know, four feet nothing. But again, being new to the product, what is your takeaway from this interview with Alicia and the setup for next week with Bukudau? 
Well, first and foremost, I was blown away by uh, TJP's size. It seems like he's doubled up since the last time I saw him. He is looking uh, bulky, super bulky. So kudos to him for that. Um, I, I got to give you credit. It definitely looked like, uh, I'm sorry, what was his name? The one he's going up against next week? Buku Dao. Buku Dao. I, it looked to me from that promo that I saw where uh, TJP kind of shoved him in the face and shoved him on his ass. It looked like he was a sad puppy dog. Just like, what are you doing? You can't do this to me. So I, I definitely, uh, I definitely agree with that. I'm when I, as I'm going to keep watching MLW over the next few weeks, if it catches my interest the way that it did last night, then uh, I feel like I'm going to get very invested into these angles. I'm curious as to what kind of turns you off from it, because again, I haven't seen it, so I can't comment one way or the other on it. I was excited for it just because I want to see TJP wrestle again. It's been a little while since I've seen him in a match. And, uh, but I'm curious to see this storyline and why you, uh, I guess, why you think that they did, he deserves better. I guess I want to see why this angle is not done properly. Well, I, I'll give you the kind of quick rundown on the angle so you'll be caught up. So what happened mm -hmm. was is that Buku Dao and TJP came in as a tag team. And mm -hmm. they had a couple great tag matches. They earned a title shot. And right the week before that title shot, TJP cut a promo and said, stick with me, kid. I'll take you to the promised land. The promised land obviously being gold around your waist. They had the match with Lowe's Parks. Now, Lowe's Parks, when you're facing Lowe's Parks, it's like facing three people, literally. Because there's one person that's hiding under the ring, L.A. Park's son. And from time to time, he'll come out. And the refs won't know the difference because they're both wearing usually the same attire. But mm -hmm. you can notice the difference because L.A. Park is close to 350 pounds and his son is close to 180. So right away, there's aesthetics that show the difference. <laughs> That's like me being in the ring and then me rolling out and you sliding into the ring. It makes yeah. no sense body type wise right away. But the refs in MLW, I bitched and complained about them from no end. There's a lot of things that I think they should catch that they just don't catch. And that's fine. But, I mean, I used to bitch about the WWE refs saying how they call a lot of stuff wrong. But the, the one thing I can say about the WWE refs is that, for the most part, they look organized. The MLW refs look tired. They look like they don't want to be there. And that's what frustrates me. If you don't want to be there, there's definitely a ref waiting in the rings. Like Emily Parker from Nova Scotia, man, she'll jump right in the ring and she'll call the yeah. match up and down the line straight away. So these MLW refs, I think they need to get a little bit more training. And well, to your point, to your point, if they're disheveled, if they're sitting there and already thinking to themselves, like, I don't want to be here and blah, 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 blah. The second anything controversial happens, the second something unplanned goes on in that ring, you go from, I don't want to be here to, I don't know how to handle this because I already didn't want to deal with what I was supposed to deal with. Now here's this random occurrence that is, you know, whether it be two guys' uh, shoulders were both down or the kickout didn't happen and he had to count the three, whether, whatever the situation might be, if you don't want to be there, you're not going to make the right call. And it's clear that that's what's happening here, that the weirdest instances are happening with these referees because they're not invested. So MLW, if I can make a suggestion, Emily Parker, maybe maybe Brad Myers. Brad Myers would be a good call as well. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. I agree with you. Two great Canadian referees, one from you know, the Maritimes, Nova Scotia area, and the other one from right here in our backyard. So. Yeah. Uh, two great suggestions. And Court Bauer, I've suggested things to no end. I know you watch. You do watch. You, you watch all the time for these beautiful little dimples here. Um, <laughs> listen to the suggestion. Ryan knows what he's talking about. So now we get into that tag match I was talking about earlier. We got the Dirty Blondes, uh, valeted by Aria Blake. And we've got Los Parks, who are the reigning defending tag team champions. And they are valeted, obviously, by Selena De La Renta and El Jefe's Muscle, who this guy intrigues me because I, I think he's going to do great things in the ring when it gets to that point. I just don't know how they're going to work him into the ring, but he's definitely got the shape and size to mm -hmm. probably step into that ring. I'm just waiting to see how that storyline develops. 
So this tag team match was pretty much a standard tag team match. We have two heel tag teams, a lot of back and forth, a lot of low blows, a lot of, you know, dirty tactics, and eventually ends with a, a double low blow from Selena to retain the titles from those parks. And then we got that little cat fight in the middle, which I never really see Selena lose composure, but I liked how they worked that because even the announcer said, it seems like she's becoming unraveled. As we saw the promo at the beginning of the interview, Al Jefe's all over her. His muscle is all over her. Whatever's happening there, she may be on her way out from Hermosios Dorado. We still don't know who the identity of El Jefe is. I threw out a suggestion a couple weeks ago because the name of the new organization is Azteca Underground. Sounds very simpler to say Lucha Underground. And the, mm -hmm. one of the big fixtures in Lucha Underground was Vampiro. Vampiro is not doing anything right now. I don't know if he's here in Canada or North America because of COVID restrictions, but I know he's definitely not in Mexico with AAA anymore right now because of COVID and travel restrictions. I know he's not over there. So if he's got time on his hands, Vampiro would be a great leader to that organization if that's the way it turns out. But she's becoming unraveled. She's attacking her former friends, Arya Blake. They've had tag matches together over the years, and she's just becoming unraveled. And the low blow was this close to being caught by the ref. And I was like, oh, my God, dude, just turn around. And he never did. But had he, it might have gone a different way. So what are your thoughts about seeing the unraveling of, of Selena and how the tag match went? It was pretty standard, basic tag match, in my opinion. Um, so I've always been intrigued. Again, I love that that's been my word of the show is intrigued, but I've always been intrigued by Lucha. Uh, Lucha wrestling to me has always been something that, because I grew up on, you know, mainstream wrestling. I grew up on the WWE, um, Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero. Eddie specifically is what got me into wrestling. So Mexican style of wrestling was always something that appealed to me. And then Lucha wrestling was never something I watched, but always, whenever I'd see it, it always just I would get this weird feeling where I'm like, I like this. I don't know what this is. I know nothing about it, but I like this. So Lucha Underground, when that came around again, same thing. I was, I was in love with Lucha Underground. Seeing Lucha wrestling in any form to me is always great. I love seeing a masked wrestler. I think there's a, a great element to that. So when you go into this matchup, I was already intrigued. The Dirty Blondes, I'm not a fan of, if I'm, if I'm completely honest. Um, a little sloppy to me. Now, again, I've only seen one match, so I, I'm not saying that they're sloppy wrestlers. Could have been an off night. But it just, it looked a little sloppy to me from what I did see of that matchup. Um, I'm really curious with Selena, though, because that's a character that I love a management role. I think manager roles are what's severely lacking in wrestling right now, at least a well-done manager role. So I'm hoping, I was on board with everything that I saw, considering she came out twice as well. She was involved in two of the matchups last night. There was a lot that I thought was done right with her in a manager role. So to see you say that she's unraveling and there's this development with her character, that means the world to me. Because that means that, hey, they're doing something with a manager storyline as well as, you know, showcasing the talent in the ring. So if you can showcase the talent in the ring while building up a manager storyline at the same time, that's something I'm very interested in. And I want to see uh, that play out a little further. Absolutely. And I think we're very close to finding out who the uh, El Jefe is. Mm -hmm. And uh, once we do, I think it's going to blow the roof off of the wrestling world. I'm not sure who it is, but like I said, I put my money on Vampiro because I just think it makes logical sense with the way they're building it. And even the logo of Azteca Underground, if you really pause it and go back to the old Lucha Underground logo, there's mm -hmm. a lot of similarities. Change the color here, change the shape of a mask there. It's very similar. Very well, and I could see it. Vampiro hasn't really been uh, too active on social media as of late. Him and I had uh, back and forth a while back because he tried to steal my name. So thank you, Vampiro, for giving that back. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, he was he was doing a, a lot with streaming. I know he was really committed to doing these meditation streams and he was all over social media, but he's been dark for the last few months. So uh, maybe maybe he's making an appearance. Who knows? I'm very intrigued by that now as well. 
You got me. You got me all sorts of intrigued today, George. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I do. I build the excitement, and then if it doesn't deliver, it's not my fault because I just tried to build it. That's all yeah, I try. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'll go um, after corn if I don't enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's his plug. Yeah. It's not mine. All I do is yeah. talk about it. Okay. <laughs> I have no investment in MLW whatsoever. Uh, we got a Contra program from Max Kruger. Now, if you don't know Contra, Contra is literally. Uh, everything in MLW right now. You've got the crown jewel, Jacob Fatu, who's the reigning defending MLW heavyweight champion. You've got Sam uh, Joseph Samael, who is the leader of Contra. You've got Simon Gotch, you've got Davari, and you've got the black hand of Contra, Max Kruger. And this guy's promos are a struggle because they, they auto-tune his voice so much where you can't hear half of it. And a lot of times you don't know what he's saying, but basically he's saying Hammerstone has lost everything and then the black hand will eliminate him. So this was an under-finished storyline from a few months back where Max Kruger and Hammerstone were feuding. But now that Hammerstone has to go after Mortis to get his US uh, to get his open weight championship back, this has been put on hold. But I guess they're now working Max Kruger back into the fold. Thank you. Thank uh, you for explaining all of that to me because I was so <laughs> lost. So I'm I'm watching last night. So for, for context for everybody listening, I had just finished a two-hour stream. I knew I was doing this this morning, and I thought, okay, I'm going to watch MLW Fusion. It's about 10.30 at night. I'd had a couple of beers during the stream, so I'm all ready to go and enjoy some wrestling. We get to this promo, and I'm having a blast, and I'm ready. It's Hammerstone versus Muertes time. I am so ready. And then I see this guy come on and start ripping on Hammerstone, this dude in a mask in this weird, like, Bray Wyatt-style promo almost from back in the day. And I was just so confused. So I didn't understand what he was saying. Because to your credit, you can't even understand the guy. And then I all I kept hearing was Hammerstone. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's not Muertes. That's not Muertes. What's happening here? So I'm glad. Thank you for explaining that they were just randomly inserting an old storyline and trying to revive it in the middle of Hammerstone's current storyline that he's about. To, I don't know. It was a very weird thing for me to see. And I was so confused. I was very confused after watching it. And as, as you should be, because I've been watching MLW now for, uh, a, a, well, a year and a half on and off, but religiously for a year since December, for half a year since December. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, the storyline is something that, uh, just go back and watch the backlay brawl. That's all you need. It okay. was shot in the loading docks of the MLW arena next to a garbage dumpster. It was mm -hmm. horrible. The best part about the match was the cameraman saying, holy shit, I think you killed him. We got to get the fuck out of here. Literally, that's, that was, again, unsung heroes of MLW fucking cameraman. So um, basically now we get into another uh, interview from the interview queen, Alicia Altoot and Leo Rush, like we talked about earlier on the show. Uh, Rush is calling himself Poseidon because he makes waves in history. Uh, discussing future fights. Will he continue to show the world how good he is? And he doesn't care who steps up to challenge him. And then we get a Reed promo. Myron Reed, who was the former middleweight champion lost it to leo rush in an amazing match probably one of the best matches of this year hands down in any wrestling organization i'm saying one of the best in wrestling period and now we're gearing up for reed versus rush two when this one happens it's going to be a barn burner myron reed i love myron reed he's been on the show before uh, he's got a five questions with my daughter it's actually dropping the same day that this episode drops myron reed is the young goat he's the future of this business he's actually leo rush five years ago if that mm. makes any sense. So he's just waiting to pop and percolate. His skill level is fantastic. And now it looks like we're going to get Reed versus Rush 2. And I can't wait. These are two young bulls in the prime of their careers. And the first match was awesome. Didn't go Reed's way. I think he might be able to dethrone the man of the hour. And I'm a big fan of the man of the hour. I love Leo Rush and everything he brings to the table. But Myron Reed 
Now that he's got the monkey off his back with beating Contra a couple weeks ago and never say never, he's gotten rid of Davari. That storyline's finished. This is where it has to go. What are your thoughts on, again, if you haven't watched the match, I understand, but Myron Reed, Leo Rush too. You must be intrigued. That's the word of the day. Intrigued. Yeah, the word of the day. So what's caught my attention the most is that when Leo Rush made his his debut with the WWE, I was familiar with him prior simply because um, there's a few people that can relate to this. They saw a social media post that said, your favorite childhood actress is now in love with Leo Rush or this random independent wrestler. And that was Topanga Lawrence. Um, I can't think of the actress's name right now, but whoever played Topanga was really a big fan of Leo. And Danielle I was like, Fisher. hey, Danielle, Danielle Fisher, Fisher, thank you. Yep, that's it. And um, it was just crazy to me that, you know, here's this girl that I used to watch her all the time as a kid, watches independent wrestling. And I, at that point, wasn't even watching indie wrestling. Um, so it was really bizarre to me. So I didn't know who Leo Rush was when he debuted, but when he showed up, I had this, this huge investment already. Cause I thought, hey, this guy must be super good cause Topanga liked him. So my logic was flawed, but it was there. <laughs> um, moving forward, obviously WWE and Leo Rush, that didn't work out. They, they didn't utilize him in any way. They didn't showcase what he could do. And I was left very underwhelmed with Leo Rush. But again, once he left, I've heard nothing but positives. I've heard nothing but, did you see that match with Leo Rush? Did you see what he's doing over here? So I'm very curious to see, this is what makes me want to watch more MLW because they have so many of these elements. Leo Rush, just another one of those elements that makes me want to watch and actually see what he can do because I know he's super talented. I've heard nothing but the best. So I want to see what he does. Myron Reed, it sounds like another very, very talented competitor who's on the up and up. So uh, is he a younger guy by the sounds of it? You're saying he's... Oh, uh, yeah. He's uh, he's yeah. in and around Leo Rush's age. Like, Leo Rush okay. calls himself a 25-year 25, 25 piece, piece of gold. Mm -hmm. And uh, Myron Reed, I want to say, is maybe a year or two younger. So okay. right, right in the prime of their careers and the things that these two guys can do. Uh, you love lucha wrestling. You love high-flying wrestling. These two are probably the best cruiserweights in the world right now. Next yeah. to TJP. And I, I, I will always put TJP up there because I'm a TJP guy. Mm -hmm. From like day one, I watched him in his New Japan runs and stuff like that. And then when he came over on the Cruiserweight tournament, I was like, yes. I was so jacked about the Cruiserweight tournament. I thought it opened the eyes to uh, a style of wrestling that had been lost for a very long time. We either mm -hmm. went from middle, like middle guys, you know, 200 pounders to 300 pounders to 400 pounders. We never went uh, 205s or down. And I thought that well, was- Well, Cruiserweights for me, like, and I'm 28 now. So when I was like growing up watching wrestling and absolutely loving it, I grew up back in the ruthless aggression era. So it was, I was seeing John Cena, Batista, Triple H, like all these massive guys. The Cruiserweight division was almost a joke to the WWE at that point. You had, and no disrespect to Shane Helms or Gregory Helms, like he's an amazing, amazing guy, right? Uh, Hurricane is one of the greatest- in-ring performers but he was a joke with that cruiserweight belt he he elevated the belt 100 percent, but he wasn't supposed to he wasn't put in a position where he was supposed to elevate that belt at one point hornswoggle i remember hornswoggle was the cruiserweight champion no disrespect to hornswoggle again that guy is uh, i've never met him sure he's a wonderful guy and he was an incredible performer but to put the cruiserweight belt on him it just shows how little they cared about it because they didn't showcase Hornswoggle as a talented wrestler. That wasn't what he was portrayed as on WWE television. So to give him a cruiserweight belt just meant that they didn't really care for that type championship. So to your credit, yeah, that's 100% what they did with that cruiserweight tournament. They revitalized what cruiserweight wrestling was, at least for a WWE audience. We know that independent wrestling, New Japan, there's been so many companies that have been doing this for so long. It was nice to see WWE finally catch up. Yeah, but again, that's that's the operative word. Finally, catch up because ninety percent of the time people think, "Oh, WWE is doing something different. They're bringing in cruise." No, 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 nope. no, incorrect. It was always there, 
It was highlighted yeah. everywhere else. But if you're a WWE mark and all you follow is WWE, so then it is new to you. Yeah. But if you go back anywhere else, even in the WCW days of yore, the Cruiserweight division, Chris Jericho, Lionheart, all that shit, that was the best thing in the Monday Night Wars, in my opinion, was watching everything that Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, Jericho, Mysterio, all those guys were doing in that Cruiserweight division. That's what I freaking loved. Hoobitude, that's where I fell in love with Lucha Wrestling. I was like, mm -hmm. I love all these dudes. I, yep. The first thing I did when I went to Mexico for my sister's wedding, I went down to the flea market, the little market they have there, and I bought myself a fucking Lucha mask. I'm like, I'm never going to wear it, but I yep. want it. And you you would get along very well with my co-host Ryan Duchesne. He's he grew up the same same era. He loved the exact same style, and that's where he he fell in love with cruiserweight wrestling. Was watching Guerrero, Benoit, Jericho, all these guys just kill it on WCW. So absolutely, um, just so hearing any, you talk, I'm like, hey, this sounds exactly like my co-host. Yeah. <laughs> well, anytime you want me on Knights of Squared Circle, you everybody, know you're welcome for, anytime. Right? Welcome anytime. anytime. Perfect. So now we get into main event time. Are you ready? Before that, quickly, we know that Court Bauer is coming to appear next week. We haven't seen Court Bauer in almost a year. Last time we've seen him on MLW TV has been close to a year, and he's coming next week. He's got a big announcement that he's got to make. Probably has something to do with Dragon Gate, which is the Japanese promotion that's coming in. We found that out a couple weeks ago, so that's going to be very intriguing. But it definitely be nice to see Court Bauer back on TV, and that's what I love. Court Bauer is not like a McMahon. He doesn't try to run or control camera time or Tony Khan, as I find out lately, is coming out a lot more. Court Bauer comes out, makes one appearance, drops some heavy ultimate shit on us, and then disappears for a year. I love it. So that's what I, one thing I do love about MLW is Court Bauer makes these little sprinkles. And you're just like, oh, look at you. Look at you. Yeah. You, you always get excited for it. You get excited when you know he's coming because you know he's not fucking around. Absolutely. He's coming to bring yeah. some big news, and I can't wait to hear what he has to say. But now the main awesome. event, the two big boys are going at it. And right off the bat, after the entrances, Hammerstone kicks Mortis square between the fucking eyes. They wasted no time. I thought it was going to end after that. That kick, I could hear it from my house, my couch vibrating. And I was like, holy fuck. And yeah. the fact that he can lift those meat hooks up in those tight-ass fucking skinny jeans is nothing short of impressive. It really fucking is. Just to fast forward real quick, towards the end of the match, when he lifted him up, I thought, there's no way. You, you look not blown up because clearly these guys are both in shape. But I thought at this stage, you guys have been killing each other for the better part of, I think, how long was that match? Almost 20, 25 minutes, it felt like? It, was, it felt like 25 minutes, but I think the runtime was somewhere between 12 and 14 minutes. But you're right. It really? was definitely a war. It was a war. Yeah, it was, it, it was such hitting. a war that it felt like it went on forever. And towards the end, I just remember Hammerstone trying to get Muertes up for the suplex. And I just thought, you are not. There's no way. There's no way you're getting him up. And then when he did, I thought, okay, okay, you are a different breed. You, sir, are a different breed. 100 so after he kicked him that awesome uh belly to belly was fantastic hammerstone mm -hmm. kicking it old school and that's what i love nobody ever throws out a belly to belly and gets credit for it too much the only time we see it recently in modern era is like a bailey to belly which is yeah. it's not even a devastating finisher move that's what that is yeah but a, a belly to belly is not really considered a finisher it's more considered a signature in my opinion but mm -hmm. hey if it works to close out a match it works but that kick uh, that the belly to belly and then the drop kick. Mortis goes flying to the outside. Then Morse, Mortis pulls Hammerstone to the outside. We get Choki and Hammerstone with the cables. Mortis is in control now. He's controlling. He's got Hammerstone knocked on his feet. He's stomping Hammerstone in the corner and not stomping like Stone Cold used to do back in the day. These are stomps going through Hammerstone's chest. If he kept mm -hmm. stomping any harder, the boot would have melted through. Then we get an amazing suplex on Hammerstone. How the hell these two were able to lift each other up that many times in this match? I have no idea. And exactly. That's the part that blew yeah. my mind. I'm thinking, how are you guys still, how do you have the strength? Because for me, like if I lift 
let's say I'm helping somebody move a couch. All right, I'll lift that couch and I'll carry it inside and I'll put that couch down. And then they say, hey, there's, the truck's still full. We got to grab a couple more things. I'd say, give me about a half hour. Give me a half hour. Let me stretch. Let me uh, grab some food here, maybe. <laughs> I just don't understand how these how these animals go in there and toss each other around effortlessly almost. It just seems almost effortlessly. Um, I know where a lot of wrestling guys will jump. They'll do whatever they need to to help sell a move. These did not look like there was any assistance from their, uh, their partner. This was all a war of two guys who said, hey, I'm going to throw you and you're going to get thrown. And then you're going to throw me and I'm going to get thrown. And that's basically what happened for the majority of this match. I don't know how they did it. I swear to you, I don't know how. Well, that's, I think that's the way it had to be built up because after somebody steals your title, are you going to want to do fancy wrestling oriented moves on him? No, you're just going to want to hurt him. You're going to want to hurt him to get your gold back. And that's exactly what the intention was. But what I did see was a lot of moves that hadn't been thrown out before. Mortis out of nowhere threw out this insane DDT. In the time that I've seen Mortis in MLW, he's never thrown out a DDT. He's never thrown out a DDT. Then we get that just awesome square off in the center of the ring. And they're hitting each other with these hard, fast, quick forearm strikes back and forth. Then Hammerstone sidesteps Mortis. How the hell a man that size has the speed of my five-year-old? He literally just sidestepped him. And Mortis knew no idea where he was. Mortis returned to favor, though, which impressed me as well. I'm like, okay, now they're both showcasing speed, which I haven't seen. Then we get the double clothesline, the classic double clothesline. At this point, you would have the crowd going... They just want these two to get back up. And then they do. The back and forth, clothesline shot after clothesline shot. Hammerstone then tosses Mortis at that point. Again, don't know how he did it. Power slam on Hammerstone from Mortis. Then we get the kick to the face for the two count. Then a backcracker on Hammerstone. Mortis gets the two count. Then the headbutt into a German. And then the powerbomb. That fucking sequence, I was like, oh, my fucking God. I was exhausted. I leaned back in my couch if we're talking about couches. And I was like... (laughs) <laughs> i was at this point i was exhausted and then we get both men to their knees trading shots back and forth hammerstone finally gets mortis up into the nightmare pendulum for the win and then right after that hammerstone announces a promo that he will do a press conference next week which means that finally after two and a half years we may see hammerstone versus jacob for two because that's what the open weight title is in mlw it is your number one contendership and it's kind of been a running joke which is why I was happy that Mortis lost because I figured if Hammerstone doesn't cash in now and say, I want for two, Mortis has a chance of getting a title shot because it almost seems like if you don't have the open weight title, you get a title shot in MLW. But anyways, mm-hmm. your thoughts on the incredible sequences that I went through and the setup for the press conference next week. On Unreal Match, I was, again, that was what uh, intrigued me the most about tonight, or uh, well, that night's match, I should say. I was very, very intrigued to see that matchup, and it lived up to every bit of expectation I had for it. And some that sequence that you talked about towards the end, I watched that at 5.45 this morning, um, because it was a bit of a late night, so I'm like, okay, I better go to sleep now, I'll watch the main event in the morning. 5.45 this morning, I am pretty much jumping out of my bed, waking up my wife, like freaking <laughs> out, just like, this is an insane sequence. I was uh, I was blown away. I mean, the amount of I like that they didn't go for the false finishes. There was I think one or two false finishes in there, but you didn't get back to back false finishes on those. What you got were amazing sequences where they just beat the crap out of each other, and then that was it. They didn't try to to do the one two. You knew they were going to kick out, so they just did these amazing sequences, which I really appreciated. Um, I really really want to see Hammerstone versus the two. I saw a promo from Fatou after watching Fusion, and 
first of all, rest in peace, DMX. This promo sounded so much like DMX, it wasn't even funny. The way he was screaming, it was just like, man, you are, you've got passion. You've got this, this intensity that I really, really like. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but two, was he not involved in WWE way back in like 2009 with Randy Orton and, and Ted DiBiase and Legacy? I want to say he was for a bit, but I'd have to 100% check on that because that was a time yeah. period in WWE where I fell away from WWE. Right, I'll be honest, right. I fell away. Uh, 2009 is where I started kind of getting my legs underneath me with uh, indie stuff. And I became a little bit more absolved in everything else that was kind of going on in the wrestling world. I, I started to explore uh, the European wrestling. I started to explore the Mexican wrestling. I was very, very deep in AAA at that time. So right. I fell out from not 2009 or 10 all the way to probably 2014. I didn't okay. have WWE. I did. But I had got everything else back into it. And the only reason I watched it is because we got the WWE Network. And it came free. WrestleMania came free with the, your subscription. So we got it because my wife and I wanted the classic content. And my wife was like, well, should we give WrestleMania a shot again? I was like, all right, let's see what's happening. And then I saw The Shield and I was like, who the fuck are these guys? Right. I was like, okay. So it was actually The Shield. Surprisingly enough, Roman Reigns. And I'm not a Roman. I'm a, I'm a Roman Reigns hater. But mm-hmm. at one point in time, I was like, yo, this big behemoth son of a bitch, he's pretty good. And then I heard him talk and I'm like, oh, he's not good. Oh, never mind. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so out. you weren't even watching WrestleMania then during your, your time off? No, uh, luckily enough, I was watching WrestleMania almost every, I want to say every other year, or I would catch okay. up. We would, at the time, we would buy the DVD. Yes, there was a time period where DVDs were the only way you could replay WrestleMania. Shocker, <laughs> I know. But yeah. We would buy the DVDs and, and we, would, we would watch what we watched. Um, my favorite WrestleMania during that time period was probably 29. 29 was okay. actually one of my favorite ones. I really enjoyed, uh, really enjoyed everything that 29 brought to the table. But um, yeah, I was, I was not 100% in WWE at that time. I, again, I would watch WrestleMania, but that would be it. But I, I would have to double check. But if yep. he was, obviously he was underutilized. And now who he is, is completely and that's That was the reason I want to bring that up. If it is the same guy. Um, I just remember there was a, someone, a Samoan guy that was with Randy Orton and Ted DiBiase back in 09 for a brief period. I want to say he might have been on TV for a month. He might have had one match. He was mainly used in backstage promos and would just stand next to Orton and DiBiase and say, I come from Royal Wrestling Bloodline. So I'm part of this legacy group. Uh, following that, he disappeared. And for good reason, because from what I saw of him, I thought, okay, this guy's a nobody. What I saw last night blew me away. Or this morning, sorry, I saw it this morning. Blew me away. Here's this intense competitor. He's got. He, he's a hell of a talker. A hell of a talker from that one promo I saw. I can already tell him, like, there's no way you're cutting bad promos. Not if you're going like that, unless you just had a really good day, unless you just had a moment. But I'm, I'm very intrigued, again, to see uh, to see Fatu. I want to see Hammerstone is a guy that I'm I'm more of a fan of Muertes, if I'm honest, even after that matchup. But Hammerstone really impressed me. That was my first time sitting through an entire Hammerstone matchup. Um, I've seen highlights from him before. I thought he was always very talented. But to see him carry himself through that matchup, again, 14 minutes, if you can make it seem like a 25-minute war that's very enjoyable, I can't complain about that in any way. So kudos to uh, what was an incredible show for my first time watching the entire event. I absolutely loved it. I'm going to be coming back for more MLW. So thank you, George, for the suggestion. Thank you for uh, all the hype because it lived up. It lived up to all of that hype. Yeah. And you know what? This was actually one of the first bright spots in MLW where we saw a great week last week at Dynamite Week. And usually after that, we get the steady landslide. But Mm -hmm. there was no landslide this week. Actually, from last week to 
or two weeks ago, sorry, because last week was an MLW underground. From two weeks ago to the new fusion that we saw this past week, uh, it was a steady stream. It's actually mm-hmm. going up. So maybe now MLW's got their legs underneath them. These, these confusing storylines are starting to kind of close out and we're getting now new storylines coming up. And I just hope maybe they shelve this Max Kruger stuff because if I hear <laughs> one more time, I'm gonna lose my I'm gonna lose my shit. I'm gonna snap on somebody. But um, I, I like where everything is going. And we always do a grade here on MLW Rewind. So I'll do my grade first, and then I'll give you your grade, and then we'll shout out your socials and we'll say goodbye for today. But my grade for this episode is a solid B plus. There was some issues where, where storylines were confusing. Again, some of the promos I felt were lacking. Therefore, the grade drops down. But all in all, the wrestling saved the day. All three matches that we saw tonight, even the standard basic tag team, were enjoyable enough to keep me entertained. But obviously, the opening match with Holiday and Medina and the main event with Hammerstone and Mortis lived up to everything that it was supposed to. And I just love the way that uh, the storyline is developing. And the fact that I know Court Bauer is coming next week. That made it a B plus. It was actually just a B. But when I found out Court Bauer's coming next week, plus, plus right there. So that's my grade, Ryan. For your first Fusion full out watch, what's your grade? I was I was stuck between B plus and A minus. Um, I'm probably going to give it an A minus. Just being a first time watcher, I thought it was uh, very easy to get into. I think anybody if that was the first time you've ever watched MLW, you could have enjoyed that entire episode. I don't think I'm alone in saying that. Mm-hmm. So it was. The, the parts that were, you know, downers, obviously that that promo before the main event that just threw me off entirely and confused the ever living hell out of me. Um, that promo was that was a hard watch for a first time watcher. It was just it was hard to, to understand or know what was going on. But I'm going to give it a solid A minus because I'm going to be going back next week. I'm going to be watching it again. I want to see how they develop these storylines. I'm invested for the uh, the time being. So awesome. Well, that's good. Congratulations. Welcome to the MLW family. We'd love to have you. And who knows, maybe we keep this thing going and you slide into the DMs next week and we set it all up again. So why don't you shout out your socials real quick so everybody can find you and follow you and enjoy your brand and what you bring to the podcast table. Appreciate it, man. So you guys can check me out at Knights of the Squared Circle on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're now on Spotify and YouTube. You can follow our website, www.knightsofthesc.com. All of our updates are available there. We're also a part of the Wrestling with Johnners Network alongside our good buddy, George McKay and Straight Talk Wrestling. Um, yeah, we're pretty much, we're everywhere you can get a podcast. We're trying, if there's a place that we're not, let us know. We'll, we'll, we'll join there. <laughs> Absolutely. And you guys all know my socials because I'm a glutton for self-promotion. Why not? At underscore on straight talk, uh, underscore at straight talk on Twitter, straight talk wrestling on Instagram and Facebook. And I am also part of the genres wrestling network. Like uh, my good friend Ryan said there, you can find me at straight talk wrestling on YouTube. And I'm also part of pop culture wrestling, which is a fantastic website started up by tank Middleton. Uh, Awesome website has a great list of podcasters there as well. So check them out, like subscribe, support is free. So anytime you subscribe to our channels, it's a win for everybody. So, and I'm literally 22 away from 300. And if I can get to that before Straight Talk does his 200 episode, that would be insane. 200. Fuck me. 200. 200. Long fucking time, man. <laughs> I got a lot of catching up to do. I think I'm I'm just about to hit the 100 mark. Yeah, I'm about 30 up or no, under 30 episodes away from 100 now. So. Yeah, the 100 is a big one. I when I hit 100, I was like, wow, I don't know how I hit 100 so quickly. And then it's like 200. It's like fuck me. Yeah. I just see the progression of my hairline thinning each time. Each time I get one of those wrestlers who has to say, no, I can't do it this week. I got to push it back three weeks. And it's like, what am I going to do to fill the con? Oh, yeah, I'm seeing, I'm seeing the bags grow each week. So it's just getting more and more. Before you know it, my whole face is just going to be dark. Yeah, I, I'm not even awake right now. My eyes are open, but I'm sleeping. I'm 100% sleeping. All right, guys, that's it for this edition of MLW Rewind. Could it be the last edition? I don't know. 
It's in my hands. I got to figure out what I want to do and we'll go from there. But even still, Ryan shaking his head. No, we'll see what happens. But even still, it's always a great ride here at MLW Rewind, whether it was with my former partner in crime, Lewis, or anybody new that I bring on. It's been a ride. Ryan, thank you so much for taking this ride with me today. And we'll see you guys all next week. Peace, love, and wrestling.